Please note that this podcast was recorded on August 24th, 2020. Hey, I'm Tracy Burns. I'm a financial advisor with UBS. And this podcast, you're going to learn five things and then you're going to move on with your life because we are all busy. This is part of my mission to help women through divorce, transition, to help empower them. I have a super soft spot for female founders, entrepreneurs, small businesses, and of course, closing the wage gap. I have a personal interest in this. I have three teenagers, two are girls. So this podcast is a small piece of getting us all there. I hope you take the time to listen to some of the previous ones. We talked about the five things your business should be thinking about. We talked about why cash is queen now more than ever. Surrounding yourself with important people and really important when to admit failure, which is a tough one. Today, though, we are talking about a topic that means so much to me. Sustainable investing used to be taboo, or it used to be about investing in in things that are really bad and taboo, right? Don't invest in the vice stocks if you have morals. And it's not like that anymore. Today, you can invest with your morals, your heart, your gut, and still make loads of money. That's why we're going to talk today about focusing on companies that truly focus on gender equality. And Lynette Jefferson is here with us. She by far has one of the coolest jobs at UBS. Her title is amazing. Head of UBS Ultra High Net Worth Advisory and Sustainable Investing Solutions. Lynette, I love it. I love it. I love that you're here. First, tell us, how'd you get such an awesome job? Well, Tracy, honestly, thank you for that rousing introduction. You are far too kind. And just the enthusiasm in your voice is infectious and uh, catching. And so happy to be here just to chat with you for a few minutes today. Um, I've had an interesting path at UBS. Um, I started out and have always been in product management at the firm. I have a background in credit research, but was hired by the firm to to build basically a product infrastructure around a large credit business for our institutions many years ago. Um, after that was given the opportunity to build out, as you referenced, our ultra high net worth advisory solutions platform. So it is a business that caters to our wealthiest of clients and seeks to provide ease of implementation with investing and just really bring um, all the resources that the firm has to bear with, um, you know, as far as investments for ultra high net worth clients. The success of that program, which I obviously still run today and, and was one of the founders of, led the firm to ask if I could expand my scope of responsibilities to, as you, as you said, really um, begin to work on one of the coolest opportunities at UBS, and that is to head up our sustainable investing solutions platform. And really what my um, main charge is, is to help advisors like you and your clients and many others out there to be able to deliver our firm's best thinking, right? We have great solutions. We have great products. We have great resources. We're going to talk about sort of one of the, the, the findings from a really important white paper today from one of our key third-party um, providers, but really to be able to empower you, Tracy, to deliver and be effective with this passion of yours, uh, sustainable investing. So um, you know, happy to be here and to be partnering with you in, in this conversation. Uh, and I so appreciate all the work you're doing, in particular for women. Um, and gender equality is, is, you know, it used to be like a nice to do now. It's just a must have. It's, it's a, I, I, my hope is that someday this thing called sustainable investing is actually gone and it's just investing and that companies are just going to do the right thing because now the numbers show it. 
which is the best, one of the best parts of what we're going to get into today. But I've always said that we as women will never have full equality if we don't have financial equality, right? That the women's empowerment completely connected to their economic performance. Yeah. I mean, you could not be more um, accurate. And in fact, one of the um, you know things that I was doing some research on in preparation for this conversation was with um, you know a white paper, as I mentioned, that was published by one of our key partners, Impacts, where they looked at um, gender diversity, right? And what that actually means for um, companies, decision-making, so on and so forth. And more importantly, what that actually um, has found to translate into performance of certain types of um, sustainable investments. And, and really what I want to point out there is that, um, as, as you said, sustainable investing used to be a lot of that negative screening, let's get rid yeah. of the bad, focus on the good. Right now, it is much more intentional and it is much more topical. It is much more um, thematic, right? So in this case of what we're going to talk about, um, you know, with, with sort of findings around just the gender diversity and how that translates into positive results, um, you know, that that's an example of how the SI focus has evolved. So um, again, I'm going to be referring to these anecdotes in this report, um, and, and we can obviously share this report with your clients um, after or as a follow-up to this discussion. But give you an example. According to this report, um, you know, it, it is showing us, number one, Tracy, that, that women's empowerment um, has really been found to be connected to economic uh, performance. So there are a couple of reasons for that. Um, you know, one of the hypotheses is, or one of the theories is, is that, look, the largest share of nation's wealth in general across the globe comes from um, the earnings of just the labor force, right? So think about just all the people that are working across the globe. The largest share of any nation's wealth comes from the folks that are working, right? Makes sense. Yep. But because there's been sort of a global gender gap in, in earnings and earnings power, women have historically only accounted for just something under 40% of those earnings. Um, so think about this, right? Just by closing the gap there, you could add trillions, right? you know, $30 trillion to global GDP just by closing the wage gap for women. Think about it, right? So when you think about consumption and, and government spending and trade, it's really simple math, right? And the theory is if women earn more, then the contribution to consumption, et cetera, can potentially be significant. For sure. I mean, you think about it, just in my household alone, I'm a single parent. I make all the darn decisions. Every decision is me. Right. So, and there's so many households like me out there. We, we make consumption decisions. We make product decisions. So the, the which leads me to this, the decision-making process, right? The more diverse the group, the better the decision-making process. You need diverse thought, right? Absolutely. I mean, again, I'm, I'm pointing to this particular report that that's been proven out. And the idea is that, you know, diverse groups, diverse boards are less vulnerable to groupthink and herd behavior. So you have the ability to have a more, um, you know, mixed discussion, decision-making process, the options for, you know, productivity investment, right, is all not coming from one type of person, right? That also can lead to better governance, oversight, management, et cetera. And research suggests that, right, that the more we move away from homogeneity and in, in corporate decision-making, um, right, that that's when you start to build the foundation foundation for gender lens investing. So that's, that's a good step one. Um, 
But also the research is showing us that, you know, looking at companies across the board, you know, those boards with at least one woman on the board outperform companies with no women. And this has been a trend, according to this study, over the last 10 years. There was another study that looked at five themes along, you know, this this idea of um, diversifying groups. So it is um, pay equity. It is representation of women at, at you know, as an employee at, at the manager level, at the executive and senior levels, and policies that promote equal opportunity and work-life balance. And basically, across the board, companies that had better results and better practices across those continuums um, did better. And the same holds true for gender leadership, right? So when there's intentionality around, uh, you know, putting skilled women in positions where they will excel rather than checking the box and just putting a woman in place for women's sake when it is intentional, that also leads to better decision-making and obviously would translate into just a, a more healthy corporation. Right. And that, and that actually leads us beautifully to your next point, which is that this diversity creates innovation, right? It creates like better, better internal management, but better products for all of us. I mean, we are 51% of the workforce now, so we are using stuff. (laughs) They should be catering to us. Yeah. I mean, it's again, another interesting finding related to that innovation and Listen, I, is at the top of the hour, you know, we sort of, you were kind enough in your introduction to sort of uh, tee up uh, my ability to talk about my path, right? I, I would say that uh, even within this firm, this lovely firm that we work in, um, my, my daily um, charge is to be innovative, right? To think about ways to be more creative and, and to better serve you and your clients, right? So I am, I have a true appreciation, particularly as a woman for the ability to be creative and innovate, right? When it comes to, to running my businesses. Um, but as far as the study, you know, for example, um, you know, one study found interestingly, interestingly enough that there was a positive correlation among companies with more diverse boards and the number of novelty patents. So think about that, right? So basically, companies are coming out with more cool and innovative stuff, um, you know, the more diverse their boards were. Um, Leading consulting firms have found that companies with more diverse leadership teams also tend to have had a significantly greater proportion of revenue from innovation. Really, really interesting finding. Um, There were some other studies that also noted the companies that were, right, so flipping it, right, so the companies that we would identify as being more innovative, right, um, and I'm, I'm not naming any names, but you can sort of think about who those are, those companies are more likely than their peers to have three or more women on their boards, right? So innovative companies are shown to have at least one and a half times more likely um, than their peers to have quantitative diversity targets. Um, and, and, and really, you know, there's, there's a very nice thread and theme there um, related to innovation. You know, they say necessity is the mother of invention, right? And especially during this time, and just for context, I'll put us in, you know, the summer of COVID. Um, we, your work, women are working from home. We're juggling ha- the house. We're, we're carrying, dare I say, we're, I, I think a lot of women are carrying the load here. And you have no choice but to think diverse and in and be innovative, even in your own home. You are the CEO of your own home sometimes. And you need to be even diverse as, all the way down the food chain, right? Yeah. The best part of this whole um, 
I think this whole topic now is that there are ways to track that this, there is really proof that this makes a difference. And a gross, gross generalization here, but men often like to see the numbers. And now we finally have it, don't we? We have numbers to show them that, yes, you put women in, in the right places, we make you money. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's for sure. Listen, I, for somebody that's from the time, you know, I was 12 or 13 years old and I was out there selling uh, Avon to, to, that's to- awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I have always been trying to figure out how to make money. And, and, um, and that is, that is a true fact. So, but to your point about, um, you know, what companies are doing, right? So we're, we're in this business. And I think as trends become more sophisticated um, and, and, you know, methodologies just become more pronounced and sophisticated, things like, um, you know, indices and funds are um, becoming more prevalent to track the performance of these components that you and I were just talking about. So for example, again, going back to the research done by our great partners at, at, at um, Pax Elevate, um, they've created, you know, what they're calling a global women's leadership fund, um, as well as a corresponding impacts, the impacts global women's leadership index, really, really nice to hear. And so, you know, kind of guided by the good research that they've done with, with the folks there, um, they've constructed their index using a combination of which, which I find interesting, you know, five gender leadership factors. So number one, percentage of women on the board of directors two percentage of women in executive management three the presence of a woman ceo four the presence of a woman cfo and five whether the company and this is so cool is a signatory to the women's empowerment principles which is a joint initiative with the un um global uh, compact for women and you know the un and their goals are very near and dear, as you know, to UBS and our heart with the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals. So I'd love to hear that. But I love that the world is, is one, all on board, two, showing definitive answers to what would what in the past was, oh yeah, we hired a woman. We, we, you know, As you said earlier, we just checked the box. We'll move on from that and probably not hire another one again. No, it can't be that way now because now there's a formulaic number that comes out that proves whether or not you're doing it properly. It's not it's not just, you know, coffee talk at the, at the water cooler anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it it's, you know, now there there's comparative studies um, you know, where we're looking at leaders and laggards in the gender space and, and now as as more companies and um, you know, investment professionals come out with things for for tracking, whether it is reporting or these indices. Um, you know, the, the results continue to show us that it is likely that you know, high, there's a high level indication companies with more women in leadership positions will tend to outperform um, over over some period of time. Um, so, so yeah, I, you know, I, I there's a risk. Uh, management element to this all too, Tracy, um, which is fantastic. And that, and this is great. This is your last point, but I love that we have validation now numbers show validation. And that I think that I think might've been what was missing all these years. And now this, this final point of yours on this, this notion that the risk is lowered when women are around, we have to clarify and say that that's not because we're not scared to take risk, right? It's, because we, maybe we make some better choices. 
Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, you know, and this one is, to your point, is, is tricky when sort of discussing this. And this is why I would also continue to, you know, um, encourage listeners to do a deeper dive on on this paper. Really interesting stuff. Um, you know, and so it's not necessarily that, okay, there's no risk involved, nor to your point that women aren't willing to take risk, but it's just the trends and the observations. But I think some of the factors that go into it are, are super interesting. So again, these companies, um, you know, that are, are just performers, better returns, um, you know, high quartile, um, you know, tend to be um, associated with, and the research has tended to indicate that, you know, again, companies with strong representation of women, you know, have tended to have lower risk and, and improved ROEs. But what's also interesting here is that um, additional studies have shown that women in those leadership positions tend to, um, you know, uh, are, be, are associated with portfolios, you know, that are focused on gender diversity and there are smaller, what we call idiosyncratic risks, right? And so I thought that was an interesting study there. Um, related to that, there's also been um, some talk around how, and this is this is super interesting how the proportion of um, women and, and females in leadership positions tended to be negatively correlated with default risk, right? And and some of those studies came out, you know, right after the the credit crisis, right? So between 2008 and 2013, uh, there was some evidence to say that there was less default risk. Um, you know, when, when there were more women in in um, yeah, that's so fascinating. Positions. I think yeah, I. I think that's so fascinating. And I think that it's, there's this misconception or, or, you know, or, or this like previous notion that men have trigger finger and women just, in, you know, invest super cautiously. And I don't think that's it. That's not what you're saying here. We're, it, you're just saying that there, it's just a, it's just a different way to think through things. We think th- through things a little differently. And as a result, it could create less risk. Yep. That's exactly right. So, um, you know, I think the good news with everything that um, I was able to share with you today, Tracy, is that we're going to see more, um, you know, comprehensive and diagnostic types of studies done by investment professionals in this marketplace. Um, I do believe firmly that uh, sustainable investing, um, and, you know, with with strong intentional focus on ESG factors will be the way our clients will increasingly choose to invest. It's just so important. Um, and, and more and more, it's because in life, in society, in the world, we're just not going to be able to get away from these factors. So this is a really exciting time to be a practitioner in the space. I think so too. And I think now more than ever, I mean, the world is so supercharged in their beliefs and their and their vision of the way they want it, want the world to go, and and, and so many people have a pi- really big, loud opinions. And now more than ever, you can actually invest with your opinions and still make money and be able to sleep at night knowing that you didn't fault your morals in order to you know create a retirement account for you and your family. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I think it's fantastic. I think you are in the coolest space in the whole firm. I think that, and I do hope and pray that someday this doesn't have a specific title, that it's just what we do and that we don't have to call it out as sustainable or call it out as ESG. It's just good investing. Yeah. I, I, I second that emotion as they say. So, so 
<laughs> this, this has been absolutely wonderful. Kudos to you and your practice. Your clients are just, um, you know, just so fortunate to have you leading the charge and the vision and, and having you, um, you know, working with them and, and, and putting things into your care. So thank you so much for chatting with me today. You're terrific. And again, I think what you're doing for the firm is, uh, is amazing. And we are certainly ahead of the curve because of you. Lynette, thank you so much. Thank you, Tracy. This podcast is made available for informational purposes only and has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific listener. No representation or warranty either expressed or implied is provided in relation to the accuracy, completeness, or reliability of the information discussed in this podcast, nor is this podcast intended to be a complete statement or summary of the developments referred to herein. It should not be relied upon as a personal recommendation, legal, tax, accounting, regulatory, or investment advice, or as the basis for making any investment decisions. Listeners should consult with their personal tax or legal advisor regarding their personal circumstances. In providing wealth management services to clients, we offer both investment advisory and brokerage services, which are separate and distinct and different in material ways. For information, including the different laws and contracts that govern, visit UBS.com backslash working with us. Copyright UBS 2021, all rights reserved. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA, member SIPC.